Well, hello, Watch Fam. Welcome to My Last Watch. My <laughs> name is Kaylee. And this is Gun. In this show, I've challenged Gun to trade up a $100 watch into a Dream Watch, which in this case is a Nomos Campus for Gun's death. And we finally may have taken our first step after months. <laughs> that is right. We will have an update to provide on the challenge towards the end of the episode. Yes. To start, I did want to acknowledge and apologize that we didn't release an episode last week. We blame the heat, though. The importance or the main goal was for us to survive the heat wave, and we've survived, but we may have missed an episode. If you live in Seattle, I'm sure you can all relate to what we went through last weekend. If you don't live in Seattle, you probably saw some headlines about the heat rising in the Pacific Northwest. So we. I think it actually made like global headlines because my parents were reaching out from Korea asking how we were doing. Right. And on Monday, we hit, I think, 109 degrees. And Maybe for other places that would be okay, but in Seattle, where 95% of us don't have AC. Okay, don't take that stat to heart. <laughs> a lot of us don't have AC. I don't think it's maybe, 95%. Maybe 90% then. <laughs> I, th- I think it is on the low end for the states. But just to put things into context, since 1894, which is when we started keeping track. Of 1894. 1894, okay. since mm-hmm. we started keeping track of temperatures, Seattle has only hit 100 degrees three times. No, that can't be. Really? That yeah. I will I will put something in the show notes which talks to that more. What what? So that this isn't the hottest it's been in like recent years. This is in Seattle's history. Right. I felt kind of bad because Gunn had a watch meetup scheduled. Yes. And I just planted the seed like, hey, it's gonna be really hot. Like, are you gonna be okay meeting up? And you know, the forecast was definitely looking very toasty. I was definitely getting freaked out by everything going on in the news. And I think I pushed that energy onto you. Yeah, so I missed my second uh, watch meetup because of you. So thank you. <laughs> no, no, I'm, no, I'm kidding. I'm, I wouldn't have survived anyways. It was going to be extremely hot. And I sweat a ton. Even though I obviously wouldn't have gone to this watch meetup, I had FOMO, I think, as much as you had FOMO. Oh, I had it. Hello, FOMO. <laughs> I I actually, I felt really bad about it, though. I really did, because I felt like you probably would have gone. Oh, I would have definitely gone. Yeah, I would have well, definitely gone. I do feel bad for planting the seed, mm-hmm. but at the same time, sometimes you just have to override and do what's best for you, which I know <laughs> I sounds ironic yeah. <laughs> coming from your wife, but... If you're going to end up being miserable the whole day, I would have much mm-hmm. rather you have gone. I'm really bummed that I yeah, missed out on the second watch meetup because I saw the photos and it looked like that. I mean, all watch meetups are going to be a blast. As like watch collectors, you get to experience other watches that you wouldn't normally experience. And I think with watches more, more so than anything else that you have a hobby with, it's very hard to experience watches in person. I mean, I guess you could go to an AD, whether it's, you know, a Rolex, Rolex boutique, Omega boutique, or all these boutiques and go try on the watches. But if you're a vintage watch collector, you don't really get that experience. So for me, the only time I get to try on other vintage watches is at a watch meetup. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I was bummed, but at the end of the day, it was good for everyone <laughs> that I didn't attend this watch meetup. All right, well, I fully support you going to the well, next watch meetup. Hopefully we don't have this 110 degrees <laughs> here in Seattle. Hopefully that's the worst of it. Yeah. 
Well, shifting gears, I guess we'll introduce the topic of this week's show, which is watches, finances, relationships, all mixed together. One quick question before we start this episode. Mm-hmm. Am I in trouble? No. Okay. <laughs> Have you been in the trouble in the past because of your watch purchases? Yes. A few times. <laughs> Maybe a few times. The reason why I want to talk about watches and finances and relationships is because in our last episode, we discussed 90 Day Fiance, and that reminded me of all of the documentation that we had to submit to United States Citizenship and Immigration Services to prove that we were a legit couple. And some of those documentation pieces included things like bank statements, and then my medical records that I had to get in Korea. I had to get the same medical records in the States. But one of the things that they especially stress are things like loan statements, cell phone bills, utility bills, because they want to show that as a couple, your finances are mixed because supposedly that makes you more of a legit couple rather than someone who's just getting married for a green card. So combined finances are a must when it comes to getting your fiancé visa approved. And because we knew how important that was... One of the first things that we did when you actually came here was get a joint bank, bank account, account together, which then, we would have done anyways, yeah. regardless. We we're yeah. trying to you know, make sure we had a lot of documentation of our names together. Mm-hmm. And when we were finishing up our paperwork to adjust your status from kind of the fiance visa to this conditional visa, I think is what it's called. One of my acquaintances was actually finishing up their paperwork for the same process. And they were actually had a really hard time coming up with paperwork because they didn't share a bank account with their spouse. They were actually really surprised that we shared a bank account. And I was surprised that they didn't have a joint account. I remember you returning home that day and telling me or being pretty surprised. And that kind of blew me away, too, because I think both of our families were both from families that share joint accounts. So that was a very foreign concept that you could be married and not share your accounts at all. Exactly. Growing up, that's all I really ever knew. And now that we're both older, I've definitely have met couples who keep things totally separate. To each his own and whatever you want to do, we're all for it. But I think for us, it was much easier to share our finances because we knew that we had to provide the paperwork. Beyond the paperwork, though, just for practicality, there's so many joint bills to pay, and I just feel like if we take turns, mm-hmm. you pay the mortgage this month. I, pay, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It just yeah, it I, seems like a lot of extra work. I would have never been able to do that. And this might seem <laughs> unusual coming from me because we actually have very different finance habits that, or views on finance. Yes, that is very true. I think you've gotten a lot better over the years. You've developed, you've upgraded me into <laughs> more of a, a smarter acumen when it comes to finances. But compared to me, you are one of the most financially, uh, when it comes to financial acumen or financial literacy, I think you're very well versed. And for me, on the other hand, like, I'm notorious for being (laughs) clueless when it comes to finances. And if I can blame one element, I think it's because I'm Korean. I don't want to justify or stereotype all Koreans. 
But I think Korean males are very bad when it comes to finances because in our parents' generation, we always saw the female in the family, the mother figure in the family, taking charge of finances because our parents' generation in Korea, the mother rarely worked outside of the home. And part of their duties were, were to take care of the finances for the family. So the dad never really cared about that. His focus was on working and then providing for the family. But then it was the mom who was in charge of all the finances within the family. So I grew up in that culture. And so I think I was very uh, clueless when it comes to finances. And I'm sure you could <laughs> speak on this, but I'm very careless. You've got, you've gone a lot better. I've like, so much you, better, if I could say so myself. Yeah. You <laughs> now, compared to when I met you 10 years ago, is a, is a big change. And yes. I appreciate the compliments about financial literacy. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think I, I don't know if it's necessarily that I know all of the terms. I just really like saving. Yeah, no, that, that's what I was, that's what I was going at. You're <laughs> a saver. Yeah. I just I'm like a spender. Saving. Yeah. So Gun and I have very opposite styles when it comes to spending and saving. <laughs> Something that we just started doing this year, which I think has been eye-opening for both of us. I don't know if I'd agree with that. <laughs> is having monthly finance meetings. And what we do during these meetings is look back at the previous month and we see how we spent our money, how much money we were bringing in, and then we categorize how we spent all everything. All of our spending. So you track all of our spending. That has actually been helpful for me because even though I've always been into saving my whole life, I wouldn't say I necessarily had a great sense of where we were spending our money and proportionally how that money was being spent. See, that's the difference between us. You're focused on the saving aspect of that. And then when I'm looking, well, I'm, I'm focused seeing... on spending too. <laughs> yeah. On you not spending, I'm focused on that. I'm like mm-hmm. seeing all of the money I've spent. <laughs> so rather than focusing on the savings, I think I'm more focused on all the spendings that I've been doing for the past month. I think it's been helpful for both of us. Because that way it just lets us know like, and I think in some instances, I've been surprised. Like, oh, we're actually doing a lot better than I thought we were. Something that we are keeping track of, though, is GVD, <laughs> which is an acronym that I made up. Do you want to explain yeah. what GVD and Well, I don't really for? want to explain, but uh, GVD stands for Guns um, Vice Discretionary Spendings. That's correct. And so that entails of... My, anything to do with watches, which should be more of like a hobby, an interest. So I don't know if that's like a no, wise. It's a, it's a GBD. And it's an investment it's too. Or don't you think watches are an investment? That still I know. falls in GBD. Okay. Well, all right. So we have the watches, beer. But the reason why I'm going ham on the beer here is I lived in Korea. And I know how hard it is and how expensive it is to get good beer in Korea. Koreans viewed beer as something you mix soju with. So it was very light lagers that was good for mixing with soju. But now we've learned that there's IPAs, Pell you know, all these different types of beer that you can just sip on and enjoy. But in Korea, I paid $20 for crappy IPAs. So when I'm here in the States, especially in Seattle, we have so many good breweries like Cloud Burst or Holy Mountain. I you know, want to enjoy these good beers while I'm living in Seattle. And so that's my excuse. I like how you're trying to appeal to my sense of wanting to save money. 
for a good reason for you to drink beer just because it's less here than it is in Korea. It is much less. It's like half the price. Okay, but you've been living in the States for like five years since yeah. Korea. Yeah, no, that almost. is. <laughs> Touche. Touche. But I still have a lot of more beers to try. I want to make sure I'm trying all of the different breweries and all the, you know, beer types. Ever since the pandemic restrictions have been lifted, which is relatively new uh, in Seattle, I believe it was about a week ago Mm -hmm. where they lifted all the capacity constraints. Folks are walking around without masks, which in some ways has definitely been nice, obviously, to go out and about more. But... I did notice that GBD rose oh, yeah. a little bit this past month. But we're meeting up with friends, yeah, going out to no, restaurants, so forth. We got to support the local businesses. Like, honestly, that's what that's what <laughs> I'm focusing on. I want to make sure Chuck's Hop Shop is still open after the pandemic. Holy Mountain is still <laughs> open. Cloudburst. Yeah, same thing. Like, I want to make sure I support these local businesses. No, I'm not saying it's a bad <laughs> thing. It's a little bit frustrating that I don't have anything to compare this to because we only started these monthly finance meetings this past year. So we don't really have a good sense of our spending. Just to let you know, it's only going to (laughs) increase. But we don't know. We don't have a good sense of our spending during non-pandemic times. Yes. So it'll be interesting to see how GBD fluctuates throughout the coming months. Mm -hmm. To tie this back into watches... Whenever you make a GBD purchase, yes. you typically discuss that with me. But this is a new concept that was brought in within the past year. Even before. It may be the past two mm-hmm. years or so. Uh, we had that talk once when I, when my watch acquisitions got out of hand. I was just buying watches left and right. But also, in my defense, that was I was using my personal account and using my personal money. And purchasing that, so I didn't think that I would need your confirmation or your approval to get these watches. Because at the time, I was like, here's my thought process. Mm-hmm. When I first started with watches, I was like, this is a hobby. Wait, do you have anything? To- <laughs> no, just go. Okay, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> so I got into this hobby. Mm-hmm. But I knew it was going to be... Um, but I knew this, was, this hobby was going to cost me a lot of money just because watches are expensive. And so once I first started getting into it, I thought I should spend my own funds because I felt bad asking you to purchase this from my joint bank account. So when we first started, when I first started collecting, I used my account, personal account, and I thought I'd be free to just purchase any watch I wanted without getting your confirmation because it was my money. But then we had that discussion where you wanted, or you wanted me to share with you the watches that I was going to buy. And so I think after that discussion, I've gotten very good at making sure I get your confirmation. And then I'm using my mm -hmm. joint account to purchase the watches. So that way you're able to monitor. Okay. I don't even feel like it's a matter of personal or joint account or getting approval. Yeah. I think the most important thing is just discussing it since you know how much I care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, T- taking a couple spe- steps back, yes. I brought up personal accounts. And we, we both have personal accounts. Yeah. And, like, I don't think either of us has issues with, like, sp- spending what you want to spend on personal accounts. What am I trying to say? Okay, let me... let me. 
Because you really, did have an no, issue with no. me buying all those watches. But it's not a per, it's not a personal account thing. Let me relay this back. Okay. okay. But let me just say, this is the difference between you and I. If you, I okay, maybe I know for a fact you would never spend all this money, even using your personal account. But let's say, for instance, you bought mm-hmm. a car using your personal account. Okay, maybe that was a little bit extreme. <laughs> that was a little bit extreme. I think you would be. Yeah. Okay. That, that that's a little bit extreme. Yeah. But if it's anything within a few thousand dollars and you're like, oh, I want to get a MacBook and I used it, you know, using my personal account, I would never question that. I know. Yeah. And but that's not I, something you care about. But that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I care. Our interests are different in that regard, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to finances, where even though I'm using my personal account, you're looking out for my own. Like, I, it's very, uh, how do I, I, I know what you're trying to say. Like, I know you don't care about that. But since you know that I do care, then you have to make an effort to communicate. I'm trying to think of an apples to apples thing of something that you would be really concerned about if I did behind your back. And I can't think (laughs) of anything besides something something (laughs) really extreme. You're making it seem like I stabbed you in the back by purchasing watches. I'm just saying, like, let me me go back to to my example here to see if I can try to articulate this more clearly. Using the example... Okay. From 90 Day Fiance. Okay. Pedro and Chantal. Mm-hmm. Pedro was always wanting to send money back to his family. Yeah. I think that's fine. But he was wanting to send, like, all of his money back to his yeah. family. And his reasoning was, hey, I'm making this money. This is my money. Mm-hmm. I can do whatever I want with my money. Yeah. And then Chantal is like, well, but that's our money because if we're not <laughs> using your money to contribute towards the bills, exactly. yeah. then whose money is being used? So when you say it's my personal account, it's like, so if you're spending what you want to spend, then whose money is going more towards, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, so yeah, I think yeah. the, okay. the argument of personal account, it's like, yeah, I guess. But at the same time, I feel like once you're married, your finances are very mingled. Mm, but you, you need some side money on the side that, you know, each other, <laughs> I feel like yeah. in, in Korean, we call this pijagam. Okay, so mm-hmm. in Korean families, are like all husbands have pijagam. So it's more like, oh, if you were to just translate that as it is, it would be like lobbying money or like slush funds. <laughs> it's you know, like so shady. Yeah, I know. But it sounds it's so one, shady. Why would, like, okay. it's shady funds. Like, if you want to hide it from your wife, you want to use it. And so I think both of us deserve that. Like, What's it called? Pijagam. Pijagam. But that's when, like, uh, when a lobbyist, the, so the term came mm-hmm. from when lobbyists bribe politicians, and they have the funds where it's off the books, off the grid, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's called, like, slush funds or <laughs> lobbying money. But as, even mm-hmm. though we're married and we share finances, it would be nice to have a certain amount set aside for times <laughs> shady money, as you like to say it. <laughs> Here, here's the thing. Even though we have all these finance meetings Mm -hmm. and we get to see how much we spent on various things when i ever when have ever like really said no you should not or you cannot purchase that yeah right no you have to give me credit yes i do i give you a lot of credit like honestly how often have i said like no you can't get that watch and i'm also very appreciative we've Mm -hmm. known each other for over 10 years and i know your personal style you're much like you admitted you're much more of a saver like for you the focus is to save as much money as possible so what we have you know once we're retired we can enjoy that comfortable life contrast 
and guns YOLO. YOLO. I'm about that YOLO life. Like I don't like I don't need to be spending money when I'm ninety like when I'm in my nineties. Like if I have a nice watch when I'm in my eighties, I can't even see the watch. Like I wanna be enjoying this now. <laughs> I wanna be traveling to places where I can enjoy now, not when I'm in my eighties. I don't want a comfortable well, I do want a comfortable <laughs> life when I'm older. But I'm just saying now is important, that's why hashtag YOLO. No, I mean, now is important, but I think when we look at our life, there has been very little where we haven't done something. That's no, no, yeah. When it comes to traveling and all these different things, no, that's why I'm very appreciative of you being understanding of this watch hobby. Mm -hmm. Because I think when I first got into it, I was really worried. That was one of my biggest uh, concerns was knowing your style. I don't, I didn't think I would be able to get your approval. How do you think we compare to other watch couples? Like, have you had these sorts of conversations with your watch friends? I know I'm on the extreme end. What do you mean by extreme end? I think they just purchase watches on their own. I mean, they definitely get approval from their wives Hmm. or their partners, but I think it's to a lesser degree, if that makes sense. I think it also just depends where you're at. So maybe 30 years from now, 20 years from now, whenever... When you're making... You have to wait that long? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying, like... Yeah, no. If you're at a point in your career and in your life when you have more money to spend, then, yeah, I think it would be less likely that you'd be talking to your spouse. Not less likely, but maybe that wouldn't be... I have a feeling for the rest of my life, I'll be having to get your... Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Maybe for certain watch purchases, I'd be like, ah, oh, I wouldn't care as much. So what is that threshold? What, what would you consider, like an expensive watch and what are watches that I can get without your approval? Like what's the price point? I don't say there's a price point because like I was saying earlier, I think it's just because you know, it's something that I care about. Mm -hmm. So you just need to bring it up. Otherwise there's (laughs) probably going to be issues down the line. And I have to say, you've been very understanding and I'm very thankful because you really haven't said no too many times. And there's been times when you've made purchases without telling me and Mm -hmm. you or you have just said as a statement, like, oh, this watch strap is joining the family today. Well, that was a watch strap, though. Like, I know, it's but like we, a... like we said the watch straps cost as much or, like, more than the actual watches sometimes. Yeah, yeah but I'm, no, these well, like, the watch saying... straps that I'm getting, I know it's, like, high quality, but these are, like, $100 watch straps. Like, there are watch straps that are, like, $300, $400. Maybe then I would ask, but then I feel like with $100 watch straps, it's like a pair of sneakers. Well, I feel like I should have a little bit of flexibility. That That's what I'm saying, though. There have been times when you've made purchases and you're just like, I did this, rather than asking first, <laughs> which I think is fine. I think the main thing is, like, we just communicate. Obviously, yeah. if it's, like, on the higher end, yes, I think that's a discussion that we have. Mm-hmm. But I think for some of the smaller purchases, it's fine to just be like, I did this. I think that's okay. But at the end of the day, I'm very happy that you're the CFO and you have the final <laughs> call on everything. But because... If we went through my style and I didn't have to get your approval, mm-hmm. I'd probably have double the amount of watches and I'd be broke by now. So I do appreciate having you in my life because, yeah, I'd be the first to admit I'd probably have like double or triple the amount of watches. I'm very thankful. But... And I think it's good to have a smaller collection of watches that you really value. Because I've heard folks who are really big collectors who really only keep three or four watches and they kind of just rotate them out. That is very true, but you have to learn like what style of watches you like. And I think that is only done through, especially with vintage watches. In my case, like I have to try these on and experience it 
to know what kind of style of watches I'd want to collect in the later future. Eventually for me, I don't want to collect like 10, 12 pieces. I'd want a five piece watch collection that are in high value. But before I make that investment, I want to make sure it's the watch that I want. And that's what I'm doing right now with all the Seikos. And now I have like a three piece Seiko collection that I think is my final end goal. And so I've, after a few years of touching Seikos and experiencing Seikos, now at least I know there's three watches that I must have that are Seikos. So five years from now, you think your watch collection will be cut in half because... Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, I'll have to put a reminder in my calendar for (laughs) five years from now and we'll see how many watches you have. Yeah. But hopefully, like I think within the next five years, it'll develop into a more uh, sophisticated collection, but less watches because I would have figured out uh, the type of watches or type of brands that I'm looking for. To shift gears, we're going to talk about you actually listing your Seiko. I did list my first Seiko. The Seiko QZ Quartz is officially on sale. I posted it to my uh, personal Instagram account, and then we'll post it to our podcast account. And then after that, if we don't get anyone interested... I will probably post it to like, you know, Watch Recon, Chrono24, and all those uh, websites that sell watches. But personally, I just wanted to, I was hoping to sell within our circle because the watch is in such great condition. And, you know, it'd be fun just to see who the watch's new owner is. Maybe you could visit it every now and then, you know. Yeah. And it'd be nice if it's someone within the circle, my Instagram circle. But yeah, we'll see. And then, yeah, it's finally posted. It is a nice looking watch. I'm actually surprised that you don't wear it more. Yeah, the thing was with that one, the inspiration was I thought it was like a Seattle color. It was like the Mariners, Seahawks, like blue, navy mm-hmm. blue. So I thought that was cool. But mm-hmm. I have a few Seiko Quartz watches. That one gets worn the least. So I thought that would be the perfect uh, watch to sell for this project. Hopefully, we'll be able to sell it soon so we can progress within our challenge to an almost campus. Before we sign off, I did just want to give a shout out to everyone who's rated us five stars on Apple Podcasts. I did see that we got a handful of five-star ratings, which definitely really appreciate. And a really nice review. Do you want to read it? Oh, yeah, of course. So out of the reviews, my favorite one was from Hoppy Pens. And uh, they said, happy to be along for the ride. What a duo. Thanks for letting us in on the watch journey. The Hawaii episode was excellent bookmark for recommendations now go get that nomus so that was a very nice review that was left we we appreciate all the reviews transparent i think that was actually our only written review that we've received so far we're giving him a shout out okay okay. (laughs) Uh, we've got a handful of five star ratings which are also great um especially appreciate the comments yep uh one person joined us because it was through a friend's recommendation so it's like word of mouth and so it's kind of exciting that you know, people are spreading the word, and we'd appreciate more of that. Definitely appreciate it. Feel free to give us a five-star rating <laughs> on Apple Podcasts, <laughs> wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, so that Gunn can keep his job as my last watch's marketing director. And purchase more watches, too. Hopefully. Mm, <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for tuning in. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you for the next episode. Bye. Bye. To see some of the watches featured on today's podcast, check out My Last Watch Pod on Instagram. That's My Last Watch Pod, all one word.
on Instagram.